Let me first of all congratulate your pastor, his wife and family on this happy occasion. It is not often that one is privileged to celebrate an anniversary, a combination of anniversaries such as this. Forty years of service in the ordained ministry, forty years of happiness and work together in the home and family, man and wife, and these years, 65 years, of life that God has given to a faithful servant. I congratulate you, Dr. Hollinson, very much on this occasion. And I want to commend the congregation for its thoughtful preparations and for this very meaningful program and worship service today. Not all congregations would have been this considerate and willing to share with their pastor and his family all the joy and meaning of this happy occasion. And then I want to thank the committee in charge for inviting me to be a participant in this special commemorative service. It is not too many years since I celebrated my 65th birthday and the 40th anniversary of my ordination and of my wedding. We are happy to have these opportunities to share with one another in the joy and inspiration of an occasion such as this. Now, where does one find a text in the Bible that is appropriate? None of the writers of the books of the Bible had this kind of event in mind when they wrote what they did by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And yet, I think that in the words which have been chosen as the text, from Peter's first letter to the Christian church of his day, we do have very a very appropriate message that does carry out the purpose and meaning of this occasion. Above all, keep your love for one another at full strength, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Serve one another with the particular gifts God has given each one of you, like good stewards dispensing the grace of God in its varied forms. Are you a speaker? Speak as a message from God. Do you give service? Give it as in the strength which God supplies. In all things, so act that the glory may be God's through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and power forever and ever. Amen. An appropriate theme, it seems to me, using words from the New English Bible in the translation given there, would be, keep your love at full strength. Let us take these words verse by verse, because they tell us something about this love that we are to and first of all, the fact that this kind of love covers a multitude of sins. Let me point out that there are two wrong interpretations of these words. One is that we can somehow hide the sins of other people from God by our love for those people. This is not true. Or the idea that if we have enough love for other people, this will compensate or atone for our own sins, and that is not true. But what is true in these words is that if we love one another, 
we will cover over, we will hide, we will forget the sins of other people against us. We will not do as some people do, exaggerate and magnify the wrong that other people do, the faults that other people have, holding them up and talking about them, and thinking perhaps that we are better than some other people because we don't have those particular faults. No, we will put them away, forget about them, cover them over with kindness and mercy, charity and love. This does not mean, of course, that parents should not correct their children when they are wrong, or that you and I should not go to people who have done wrong and try to bring them to see what they should have done instead and what they can do to right the wrong they have committed. This is not excluded. But it does exclude the tendency of human nature to magnify and constantly look upon and criticize the faults, the sins of others, and try to excuse our own. I'm quite sure that from the moment Martin Hollinson was born, his parents realized that he was a sinful human being like all the rest of us. He had his faults and imperfections, and he has some of them yet today. This is inevitable. But his parents loved him in spite of that. You and I know what our children sometimes do to us, how complicated and difficult it is today to rear children as Christian parents want to and should. And these children quite often say and do things we don't like, things that are wrong. We correct them, but we still love them. For love covers a multitude of their sins. And these children, as they grow, will come to recognize that their parents did love them, were trying to do the right thing for them, and uh, as they get older, they will realize how much more intelligent their parents were than they thought they were. And when young people become parents themselves, then they suddenly discover how much they should appreciate what their parents did for them. This is a characteristic of family life, and it is important that in this, in this uh, difficult relationship of parents and children, we keep that kind of love that will cover over faults and mistakes and sins. Likewise, in our married life, none of us is perfect. None of us can completely fulfill our obligations to one another, and I am quite sure that the promises that were made by Martin Hollinson and his wife 40 years ago were kept, and yet each one would recognize that they had not done everything they could and should for the benefit of the other. But again, there was a love that covers these limitations and these hindrances and these failures, a love that has kept them close to one another and to God all these years. And so in the married life of all of us, there are difficulties and problems, there are failures and mistakes, but true love will cover these and not constantly torment one another because of them. In the relationship of a pastor and congregation, there is not the perfect exemplary life and service that there should be, Try as hard as one can. No pastor can completely fulfill his obligations to a congregation, whether a small congregation in a rural setting or a larger congregation in a larger city like this. 
our obligations to the individual, to the congregation, and to the community make demands that none of us can fulfill. And here again, you as a people have shown Christian love in being willing to cover whatever sins there were of omission or commission, the lack of complete perfection in serving you as a pastor and a servant of God and of the congregation. And on the other hand, your pastor, Dr. Hollinson, has had occasion to forgive and to cover sins and faults of some of you who have not always said the things about him that you should or done the things for him and to him that you should. It is a mutual relationship of love that covers and conceals, forgives, and forgets whatever is wrong. And this is the way it should be. We would urge, therefore, that we maintain and keep at full strength this kind of love. And this may be an appropriate occasion to dedicate ourselves anew to this kind of love. The second admonition we have in the words of this text, written by St. Peter, tells us be hospitable to one another without complaining. The word hospitality is an old-fashioned word in our country, not used very often today, except possibly to designate one chain of motels. And yet every home, every Christian home, ought to practice hospitality. The hospitality that parents would practice to their children. That the mother is not so concerned to keep the house thick and span that children are uncomfortable there and can't really enjoy living there. The kind of hospitality that will receive relatives and friends and that we, whether parents or children, can rejoice in being together. It should be so that your aged parents will enjoy visiting your home because they know they are welcome and that they will make you welcome when you visit them in return. Now in the days in which these words were written, this kind of hospitality was all the more necessary. For there were not the hotels and motels that we have today, but instead inns like those at Bethlehem, which were crowded, where there was no comfort, no security, and not at all to be compared with the provisions we have in our life today. It meant much, therefore, to Christian people as they traveled from one place to another to be able to stay with safety and with enjoyment in the home of some good Christian family in that community. And since some of these early Christians were the victims of persecution, it was a wonderful thing for them that some Christian family could take them in, rescue them from danger, and take care of their needs until their problems had been worked out. Today I'm quite sure we will want to practice Christian hospitality in our homes, and we will want to see this exemplified in the parsonage. One reason that a minister marries is so he can fulfill more completely the obligations and duties that he owes to a congregation. It is interesting to some of us to observe how at long last the Roman Catholic Church is restoring the practice that was in the church initially and uh, was changed by mistake, we would certainly say, for some centuries in which the ministry was required to practice celibacy. There is a great example to be set by a pastor and his wife 
in the hospitality of their home, where the pastor can feel comfortable and can enjoy the opportunities for refreshing his strength and spirit, and where casual visitors can feel that they are welcome. The Christian home is itself one way of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, parsonage or member of the congregation. And then we recognize that in the 40 years that Pastor Hollinson has been in the ministry, he has practiced hospitality and he has received gracious hospitality. This very occasion is an expression of your hospitality, one way in which you can show him that he is welcome here and you can give him the pleasure and the satisfaction and the inspiration of your love, your hospitality. Phillips has an interesting translation of this verse when he said, practice hospitality without wishing you didn't have to. Haven't there been many occasions where people have come to you unexpectedly and you have had to give them some kind of grudging hospitality, but you wished you didn't have to? This ought to be such a free and spontaneous action on our part that we don't have to feel that we wish we didn't have to do it. There is a blessing, there is a joy in practicing hospitality. We can honor God in this way and we can serve the needs of our fellow men in this way. And this comes out of love. Keep your love at full strength. And then St. Peter goes on to tell us, serve one another with the particular gifts God has given each one of you like good stewards dispensing the grace of God in its varied forms. Some of you probably have heard the word charism used of someone who is campaigning for a public office or perhaps of some movie star or some leader in public life. The word refers to a special gift that God has bestowed upon people. And each of us has, as their text tells us, his own particular gift. This is a gift of God, and it is to be recognized as such. It is an obligation on our part to develop it by education and training so that we can each serve God and our fellow men most effectively in whatever is our chosen profession or calling in life. One of the great problems that torments those at the teenage group, in the teenage group is the selection of a life career. What shall I be? And this cannot be decided arbitrarily or thoughtlessly. It is an important decision, for we are told that we are stewards dispensing the grace of God in its varied forms. Stewards are trustees, those who do not own but who are put in charge of something. When you take money to a bank, when you turn over an investment to someone who is to administer that for you, he does not own it, you own it. He is your trustee. You have entrusted it to him for proper use. So God has entrusted to us certain gifts for proper use. Peter here uses two examples. Are you a speaker? You know that your pastor is a speaker, an eloquent speaker and preacher. If we are given that charism or gift, then we are told this is to be 
as those who are speaking a message from God. And one of the blessings that you have received from having Dr. Hollinson as your preacher is, he has given you a message that is from God. Not human speculation, not human reasoning, but a divinely inspired word of truth that is a firm foundation for our Christian faith. This gives the preacher confidence, and this gives the congregation confidence. We know that we are following the way of divine wisdom. This is a tremendous gift. Not all have it. Those who do are to exercise this as those whom God has chosen to proclaim the word of God. But it isn't limited to the preacher in the pulpit. Every Christian has some opportunity to speak a good word for the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be in a casual conversation. It may be on some occasion, like a funeral or a wedding or some anniversary. As you talk to someone, the Spirit may put into your heart and on your lips words that will bring to them an inspiring message. It could mean more than any sermon from the pulpit. Use the gift of speaking whenever you speak to your fellow men to proclaim the truth of God. And the other gift that is mentioned is that of work, of serving, whether it be serving in terms of having some office in the congregation or in one of its organizations or teaching in the Sunday school or singing in the choir, whatever it may be, there is work to be done. There is service to be rendered, and those who have the ability to do certain things should do them, again, as stewards of the gift that God has bestowed upon them. It may be by this kind of use of time and talent, or it may be by the use of contributions in the form of financial support, or it may be our prayers for one another, whatever it is, let it be a joyful use of what has given us the particular gift we possess. This reaches out into daily life and in our work in the community. The doctor, the lawyer, and the housewife, the farmer, all those who are in honorable callings can be serving God. This is part of their service. We do it as in the strength which God supplies. Luther one time said in a rather dramatic way, the woman who is down on the floor scrubbing it is serving God just as well, and we might even think better, than the woman who is on her knees in a convent cell counting her beads and saying her prayers. No humble task is wasted if it is done to the glory of God, to the benefit of our fellow men, as a conscientious exercise of the gifts that God has bestowed upon us. And so as husband and wife, as parents and children, as pastor and people, in all our relationships, let us serve one another with the gifts that God has given us. And then our ultimate objective is described in these words. In all things so act, that the glory may be God's through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and power forever and ever. As we hear those last words, 
I think we would all be willing to say, why, of course, I should hope so. All glory and power be to God through Christ. Let's make it that way in everything that we think and say and do. We know that that will be our chief occupation in eternity, to glorify God, to do his will, to be able at long last to sing or say or do the things that will indicate how we glorify, praise, and thank God for all his blessings to us. Why wait? Here and now we have the opportunity to do everything we do to the glory of God. When St. Paul wrote in Ephesians to the parents, he showed them how they could glorify God by being good Christian parents to their children. And then he immediately added a word to the children, how they can glorify God by being good children to their parents. In the everyday chores of life, you and I have the opportunity to glorify God. And it isn't just the minister of God who is ordained, but any Christian who is dedicated to the Lord who can have the thrill of doing every day things that will glorify God. That's the way we would want it, and that's the way God has enabled us to have it. So today, as we see the interesting combination of significant historic events, and as we commemorate and give thanks to God for these anniversaries, we recognize how appropriate it is that the congregation present the plaque that it did to Dr. Hollinson and thus also to his family. And we would add three more invisible plaques that we would present to him today. On one of those we inscribe our appreciation of the fact that he has in the grace of God been permitted to enjoy 65 years of health and strength and effective Christian service. And this we would sign with the hope and the prayer, may your love continue at full strength. And then we would pick up a wedding certificate. And as we look at that, written and dated 40 years ago, we would hope and pray for Dr. and Mrs. Hollinson that they may continue to keep their love at full strength. And then we recognize the fact that 40 years ago he received a certificate of ordination. And we would write beneath the plaque we present to him on this occasion that here he may continue also in your midst and wherever God will use him to keep his love at full strength. This will be to the glory of God, which is the purpose for which he accepted the office of the ministry and for which he lives. We dedicate ourselves, all of us and you, to the glory of God and the good of our fellow men, and we pledge ourselves to keep our love at full strength. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your love at full strength. Amen. Amen.